Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to MHTV. We're really pleased to have you with us tonight. And we're going to be talking about CAMS nursing, particularly thinking about uh, roles and role identity within that. So we'd love you to join in with us. So before we come to our fantastic guests, let me hand you over to Dave and he can tell you how you can join in with us tonight. Dave? Hi, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. As always, great to be joined by you. And you've got a couple of ways you can join in tonight's conversation. Uh, the first is on the Facebook live feed. Obviously, you're watching the video. If you just head towards the right, there's a bit where you can type in your stuff. Uh, questions, comments, love to hear them. And obviously, we'll bring us in as many as we can tonight. The other option you've got is if you want to use Twitter. And all you need to do to make sure we see those tweets is to use the hashtag MHTV. I'll be searching for them as the conversation develops tonight. And again, I'll bring in anything that I can into the, the chat that we're having. Uh, but without further ado, straight back to you, Nikki. All right, so let's introduce our guests. First of all, Anne, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, Nikki. Um, so I'm Dr Anne Cox. I'm a nurse consultant who works in CAMS in Midlands Partnership um, in Staffordshire. Um, I've been working in CAMS for on and off for about 25 years. I actually started my career working as a healthcare support worker on a children's ward. Um, so I've been invested in children for a long time. Yeah. So I'm yeah very passionate about mental health nursing in CAMS and obviously why we're having this conversation today. Thanks for being with us. And Grace, how about you? Um, hi, Nikki. Uh, my name's Grace. I am a practice development facilitator at the Foundation of Nursing Studies currently and a very proud mental health nurse. I've um, spent most of my previous career before I came to this role working in adult mental health, but as the, um, I suppose, the go-to for transitions from CAMS and also mainly working with young adults within the adult team. And I'm, uh, as I said, I'm a very proud mental health nurse and always happy to talk about mental health nursing. Lovely. So for anybody who is tuning in who's not sure what CAMS actually is, can you Give us a little description of what is a, what, what do we mean when we say CAMS, and then we'll go on to talk about CAMS nursing. Yeah, so CAMS stands for Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. So I think historically it was probably seen as the, what we class as a tier three specialist service, or so like a community service of CAMS, and then there used to be an additional um, inpatient service and I think historically that's what it used to be. But now CAMS has kind of transformed into it being a whole kind of um, whole system of anybody who is supporting children with well-being and with um, mental illness. So that could be, for example, from our GPs in primary care, nurse practitioners in primary care, it could be mental health support teams, which are based in schools. It could be people that are working in education for pastoral care, and also the specialist kind of CAM services that we offer. It would include school nursing, it would include anybody really that's going to have a intervention or a um, interaction with a child that is um, being supported for well-being or or mental health difficulties. What age range would we be looking at for, for CAMS? So we would usually say that it's between 0 to 18. However, um, usually within specialist CAM services, we're probably looking at eight years and above because we would advise under that that normally they would have support from other agencies um, such as children's centres, school nursing, 
Um, and those kind of interventions, the mental health support teams also support um, five and above. Within the NHS plan, it's looking to move towards 25 years. Um, and certainly in some of the early intervention teams, which look specifically at supporting young people with psychosis, they start at 14 and they finish at 35, I think. So there is a kind of range of age ranges, but on the whole, um, within specialist camps where I work, we would see probably seven to eight years up to about 18. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, when you're thinking about the transitions that people go through. Mm. So thinking about the identity of CAMS nursing, because we were obviously all, as you've all said, you've all talked about, you know, experiences working in adult nursing and, and adult mental health. And, and now you're talking about the kind of fact that you've really dedicated and focused in on CAMS. So maybe we could think a bit about why nursing identity matters, but what's specific about CAMS nurses? What what skills do you have, do you think, that are slightly different, maybe, or that separate separate you out? I think... Sorry, sorry go, on. go on. It's okay, go on. Um, I was just going to say, as, as, a, as someone that can celebrate it from the outside in, I think one of the, the things that CAMS nurses do that, that doesn't necessarily happen once you get to adult services is that real balance between developing a therapeutic relationship both with the, the young person and with their parents and being able to balance having that safe space for the young person but also you know working with families and um, that is a real real skill to master and I think it's it's massively worth celebrating um, because CAMS nurses do it brilliantly. Yeah, and I think one of the challenges is there aren't any direct routes into training to be a CAMS nurse. So you could be the four branches of nursing are obviously children's, adults, mental health and learning disability. And what we see in CAMS is we have sometimes all of those branches of nurses working yeah. within CAMS. Um, I think from a mental health nurse perspective, some of the challenges are that there aren't mandatory placements for CAMS. And so to try and help somebody understand what it's like working in CAMS, it can be really difficult. And I think that's something that we're advocating for is that we do have mandatory placements within CAMS so that we can help others understand what CAMS is and how it works, because it's quite different to adult services in the way, in the philosophy of how we provide intervention and support for children and families. So on, on what way would you say that is? So going back to my student days, because that's mm. probably the last time that I worked in community adult services, my uh, experience was that um, it would either be a kind of clinic-based model where you might have some people that coming in for particular uh, medications, medical model, um, or it will be going out kind of just touching base with people in the community, going to different homes. Um, and while she might provide some level of intervention, the interventions are quite short. So you might be expected, for example, to see two or three people in an hour, um, something along those lines. In CAMS, um, it's based upon offering therapeutic intervention evidence-based intervention such as CBT-informed ideas, so cognitive behavioural therapy, dialectical behavioural therapy, systemic family therapy, um, interpersonal therapy. So there's lots of different kind of evidence-based interventions that we would use. And generally our appointments are 
systemically driven so it may be that even if we spend a some time some individual time with the young person we will always consider the system that that child or that young person is in and that's really important because that influences what's going on for that young person so our appointments um will probably look more like an hour offering that level of intervention and over several weeks probably weekly for some for those that are doing a little bit better it might be fortnightly Mm -hmm. so it it feels like a really different philosophy in the way that we work we work in a multi-agency approach so we work with school we'll work with social care we'll work with whoever we need to to support that child to help them move forward with their difficulty and i think it's always a bit of a shock when people kind of reach adult services because there's um there are a few things that kind of change your life overnight turning 18 isn't really one of them you know you're the same when you're 17 and 364 days i don't remember how many days there were in a year then (laughs) As, as 18 and it's different it's different um I mean I was lucky enough to work in a service where I got to do that therapeutic intervention but I know it, it it's quite unique um within adult services that a lot of the time it is around kind of coordinating care and not necessarily offering as much of that therapeutic intervention but um I suppose all of a sudden they can decline the parents knowing or guardians or carers knowing anything um so it's a big shock culture shock as well to to parents carers and the systems around and um that yeah there's also different things that cams focuses on that adult services don't tend to um so the neurological difficulties as well tends to be commissioned by cam services and then all of a sudden at 18 there's there's not really a service for it which can be really really difficult yeah Mm. yeah and another thing you guys were both talking about was this fact that you're working so much in kind of multi-agency um, roles. So what does a nurse specifically, or a mental health nurse specifically, bring to working with children and, and young people? So I kind of like the phrase nurses kind of as a therapeutic glue, really, that kind of hold the multi-agency together. So I think nurses are really skilled in being excellent communicators. I think they're able to communicate on several different levels. I think they've got the knowledge and skills of mental health intervention, but also the knowledge and skills of physical health understanding to be able to bring all of that holistic biopsychosocial assessment together Um, and I think that's what we do really well as mental health nurses yeah I think unfortunately some of the challenges of that in CAMS is the current CYPI app strategy which is a strategy which um, encompasses all CAMS within England and it's a transformation Um, of services to be able to become more psychologically informed using better evidence-based practice based on five principles which include supervision, access, participation, um, evidence-based practice Um, but what it's lost out of that is the value of nursing within it so there's no there's a lot of training to be trained into psychological therapies or psychological practitioner level but there isn't anything about developing nurses within that and I think that's been a real shame so I think nurses have had a really hard time over the last few years because they've not been recognised for the role of what they actually offer Um, and nurses really are that mainstay of being able to 
um, to kind of care coordinate, if you like, and bring all of those agencies in together whilst offering the intervention to the child and delivering the evidence-based intervention to try and support them to a place of um, better management or wellness. Yeah, and there's, there's no other pe person that does that within the team, is there? If you think about kind of all the aspects of CPA, the nurse is the person that brings all those together, taking elements from other professionals, but brings those together. And no other professional does that. Mm. I think sometimes one of, the, one of the reasons we can struggle is because we're so able to bring in all these different skills, it can sometimes, when you look at what's distinctly nursing, that can look... People can just say medication. You're like, oh. <laughs> so there's something about kind of being able to work holistically, which I think is really interesting. It's really exciting. It's one of the things I like best about it, being able to look at the whole picture. Um, I can remember a, a, another conversation we've had, Anne, so I don't know if you can remember me talking to you about it and you talking to me. It was about this um, erosion of nursing pride a little bit when you were talking about therapeutic glue. It reminded me. Yeah, and, and I think we've kind of lost away a little bit in mental health nursing, and I don't think that's particular to CAMS especially. Mm. I think it's across the board. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes it's really difficult to define what a mental health nurse is. You know, how do you define that to the public? How is that different yeah. from a, another profession or a therapist? Mm. Um, and I think, helpfully, things are changing. You know, I think... Um, recently, Grace and I have been involved um, as part of the 50,000 Nurses Commitment, the mental health subgroup, with a number of other um, professionals and patient advisory um, forums. And it's been several meetings over several months and kind of little uh, focus groups, if you like, to look specifically at one area of nursing. Grace and I look particularly at children and young people and actually, it's really sparked something within us to say that we absolutely need to raise a profile of um, mental health nursing. And I think some of that has been a strategy that's not been helpful. I also think that we've, um, you know, like even retaining the title nurse within a job title, for example, has been eroded. So a lot of the times you might get they're a mental health practitioner or they are a care coordinator, but they're not a nurse. And I think we need to bring that profile back and we need to raise the profile because actually nurses are fantastic professionals and they do something that no other profession does. So we need to hold on to that and raise that profile to make sure that that erosion is kind of um, almost turned on its head so that we are, you know, um, do have a a better profile but also that the public understand what we do because I don't think we sell ourselves very well um and some of that is I think because of the pressures that are in services at the moment it's really difficult isn't it when you're trying to we've had a pandemic um you know and it, whilst a lot of the focus has been on physical health there's been a pandemic within mental health as well and we've never shut either and I think it's we're just seeing the the kind of after effects of that now so I think we've got a real opportunity to show what we can do and and really raise that profile and value of nursing Mm -hmm. Before we come to Grace, can you just be really um, just clear and clarify, what is the 50,000 nurse commitment for people who haven't heard of that? So the 50,000 nurses commitment was um, 
I think, an agreement by the government that that's what they were going to commit to in order to um, increase numbers of nurses, because this is the number of nurses that they said that they needed in order for the NHS to be able to sustain itself. I think it's probably far short of what we do need, but it's a good start and we need to you know, use that helpfully. So as part of the mental health contribution, there was a number of focus groups. So there was as children, young people, there was population, mental health, and then severe mental health, which looked at particularly at adults. But I think the conversations were so um, empowering, I think, really, to be able... It was just such a, an energy that has been driven over the last few months to deliver these three kind of um, papers and recommendations of what we needed for our particular areas. Um, and I think hopefully we're going to take that forward. So it's really good today that Grace and I are on so that we can talk about some of that. But I think within our nurse consultant forums, within the Mental Health All England um, nurses plan, you know, there are things that we can do to start driving that forward from a local level, as well as the document that we produced has been all pulled together and that's going to be um, submitted to Parliament as well for, for the politicians to think about. Um, Grace, is there anything you want to say before we go over to Dave? That it's great that celebrating that we're nurses, you know, we should be introducing ourselves as nurses and um, the more people do that, the more we get recognised, you know, I've introduced myself as a nurse before and people even though they've come for kind of a mental health assessment don't really know that mental health nurses exist don't know what we do and as Anne said it's not just in in cams I think it is more prevalent in cams that the title nurse gets eroded because um, as Anne was saying before there's a lot more people become therapists and then nurse kind of goes away mm. and therapist is there and, and what what does that have on your kind of identity as a nurse mm. um but we are employed as care coordinators or mental health practitioners and, and you, you could be any profession. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should be celebrating we're mental health nurses. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of reasons that happens. And I think one of the things that I've come across this, and I don't know if it's, if it's true for you guys too, is that when you're working with HR, they would rather have an open title so they don't have to keep advertising if they can't get hold of a nurse. And this idea that you draw from the biggest field possible, which is okay as long as you're not looking for specific skills. But it's I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's the trouble, really, that nurses do bring a unique skill. They bring a unique set of um, set of interventions that they can use. They are trained professionals in what they do. And I think we that's the difficult, because there isn't enough nurses mm. and we're all fishing in the same pool for recruitment, I think we need to think differently about recruitment we need better career structures we need better support for continuing professional development to yeah. be able to retain the nurses that we've got and raise a profile you know it's really I think if we had a better profile and we really valued the nurses that we had yeah. um which we do intrinsically within our own areas but it feels yeah. like from a public pers perspective I think we need to improve that yeah. then I think we would have more people come and train as nurses. I mean, I think the increase in nursing has been terrific mm -hmm. for the pandemic in terms of recruitment into student nurse positions. Mm -hmm. But what is that going to look like in five or 10 years time? I mean, I think our time in CAMS is probably coming now in terms of our pandemic um, and what we're seeing in terms of 
Um, long COVID type presentations that are presenting as psychological presentations, so whether that's OCD or whether it's, you know, kind of PANS, PANAS, that kind of thing, which just seems to be an increase in those, you know, nurses are critical to be able to not only assess, but, you know, diagnose that and eliminate the physical health causes before taking them down a treatment of, of mental health um, intervention that might not be appropriate for them. So mm. I think we've got a real opportunity now to come into our own and, and, yeah, as I said before, develop the kind of profile and value of mental health nursing in CAMS. Mm, definitely. I'm, I'm getting questions through, so I'm sure Dave is. Um, Dave, can I ask you if you've got any thoughts on that? If there's anything you want to share with the audience of... of yeah, absolutely. And I suppose just as you've been speaking, thinking back to my own kind of history of working with co colleagues in CAMS, uh, obviously, you know, Nikki likes to remind people now and then that I am a health visitor, not a mental health yeah, nurse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I've had kind of quite a lot of involvement with CAMS. I think one of the really frustrating things from uh, kind of my experience in practice was how difficult it was to get uh, children to access camp services uh, and that kind of it was always you'd write a referral and you'd get a bounce back because it was never kind of serious enough uh, I, I think one of the things that came out a, a few years ago was a uh, a report from the Children's Commissioner in about 2016, uh, and it just highlighted how severe children's presentation needed to be to get a, a CAMS referral and, and to get that accepted. I suppose, do you feel that that has sort of changed positively since 2015, or is it kind of still very much sort of high need, high tiered services that, you know, people get access to services? So I think there's been a lot of work put in, you know, we've had the mental health support teams, for example, from the 2017 Green Paper that has is looking to cover, I think it's 100% of schools by 2024, um, which is a fantastic investment. Um, so when we move away from the tiered structure of CAMS and just thinking about specialist CAMS and we move to thinking about a whole system CAMS, they were talking about primary care, schools, social care, that kind of thing, then I do think there's been a lot of investment within the system and there's certainly been investment within psychological, kind of low-level psychological provision across the system, which should meet the needs of those children earlier. So they shouldn't need to come to specialist in old money tier three cams um i think the bottom line it's always about resources isn't it we absolutely can work smarter i think the commissioning of cams is a hodgepodge across across the country there are no two cam services that are commissioned the same sometimes even cam services are commissioned by three or four different um commissioning <laughs> structures so it's really difficult to get any consistency and i think that's what cams needs nationally is mm -hmm. to have that kind of set commissioning so that we've got that level of consistency because you'll get in some areas for example um you know you've got four four year waits in some areas and then you might have people that are meeting their 18 week targets in other areas so it's really inconsistent and i i really understand how families find it so difficult to get the support that they need mm. when they're so desperate and the and the information isn't out there to support them and so for them it's their crisis absolutely but for us in terms of what we're dealing with at the moment the level and acuity, the level of safeguarding that we have, especially since the pandemic, has just been astronomical, really. You know, and, and clinicians are tired. <laughs> and and the result, the, it, 
there are recruitment going out there. They are trying to recruit, but it's it's just so difficult to get people to come in. So we need to, and I think in some areas, CAMS has got a bit of a bad reputation. I know there's kind of a move to kind of move it to CYP mental health, for example. Um, but whatever you label it, you've still got to change the inward workings to make it um, work for our children and families that we serve. Yeah, it's a classic mental health strategy, isn't it? To just relabel something. Take, yeah. take <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're not having rehab. We're having recovery now. Nothing is. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not fundamentally. It's not going to change yeah. it. But I think there's been lots of improvements since 2015. However. It feels, I think, when you're on the shop floor, it's a bit like a drop in the ocean. We mm. had a lot of different, um, so many years ago, although there's probably still available, some we used to have uh, primary mental health workers that used to be band seven clinicians yeah. that would be um, working maybe in three or four schools. So they would offer mental health support within three or four schools. Now we've got the um, mental health support teams and that might be a team of four or five that's covering somewhere between 16 and 20 schools. So in terms of the, whilst they offer a brilliant job and I've supervised a lot of the mental health support team, the education mental health practitioners, and they're fantastic. They absolutely are. But they're very narrow in terms of what they offer in respect of either it's quite linear, it's quite a CBT type of low level approach, but then a whole school philosophy alongside that. So it's, there are definitely good elements, but I think we've also lost stuff from the past that was actually really good as well. And I think the balance will be bringing all of that back together, I think, and increasing the resources that we've got. Yeah, and I think there's, there's the resources in terms of the commissioners, but also the recruitment. And it comes back to that. Actually, it can be quite difficult to get a CAMS placement if, you, if you're interested in it. Um, it certainly was when, when I was um, um, doing my um, programme, and I don't think that's changed. And actually, yeah. people are, you know, they're doing the, the nursing programme and then they're coming out and they've not had any exposure to CAMS. So why would they try and work there? Mm. And that's where it kind of comes down to, you know, getting that exposure in some way, whether that be through, you know, mandatory placements, having young people and carers coming into, into the universities, you know, virtual placements. There's lots of different ways that that exposure can happen mm. within... within um, their nursing journey at the start. Absolutely. I know, I, I suppose I need to give a shout out to sort of the work that our organisation's done. Uh, obviously really concerned about the number of school nurses out there that we've seen a pretty dr dramatic decline. Uh, and also more recently in the number of health visitors, uh, both professions that absolutely kind of complement, rely on support, work together with, with CAMS professionals. Uh, and, you know, it's such a shame that we've kind of seen that. And I know when we saw the uh, the previous uh, uh, government paper on children and young people's mental health just feeling that it wasn't ambitious enough you know that actually you know we do need lots of support in schools that you know teachers have skills to teach but you know they often don't have enough skills to be able to support what can be really kind of complicated and, and difficult mental health issues for children uh, and actually we know that the professionals from CAMS from health visiting school nursing can absolutely make a, a huge difference to that uh, and how critical it is 
I think, you know, obviously uh, you both spoke really eloquently tonight about uh, the, the work of mental health nurses in that. Uh, and that's that's really positive to hear that. I, I think the other thing that I wanted to emphasise was, you know, there are lots of other professionals that are involved with children, but none of them get to be the, the top kind of professional that's recognised by the public to be the most trusted. And nursing isn't every time nursing comes out to be that that most sort of respected uh, profession. So something to really hold on to positively. Now, we've had quite a few comments. Uh, I'm sure Grace will be glad to know that Joanne Bosenkay has, has made a comment. Uh, obviously, I think she's your boss, so, you know, that's yeah. always good to hear, isn't it? Uh, and, and she said, uh, and it's long-term sometimes too, you can really influence young people's life. Uh, what an honour to be in that position. So, obviously, you know, shouting out praise for mental health nurses in CAMS. Uh, we've also had Sophie say, a mental health nurse would develop a therapeutic relationship based on trust, understanding and acceptance. Uh, Rosemary's commented that she's here to learn tonight. She's a mental health nurse and student. What better place to come to than MHTV to get that learning? Uh, and we've also had Alfonso, a regular uh, viewer. Many of my students ask me, how do you become a CAMS nurse? Uh, do you need additional qualifications or training? So a great question for you to get your teeth into then, there, Grace or Anne. Yeah, um, so... Historically, there always used to be this kind of caveat. Well, um, if you didn't have five years kind of post-reg experience, then you couldn't come and work in CAMS. And there's still this um, niggle that people seem to think, well, if you haven't got children's experience, then you can't, can't come and work in CAMS. Well, actually, you can come and work in CAMS. It's about transferable skills. As we said before, there are no direct routes into working in CAMS. There is a push at the moment to provide some post-qualification training, like in a module of CAMS at some universities. So I'm currently working with Kiwi University to kind of develop one of, one of those. There has been some in the past, but some have kind of dropped off. So there's an ability to kind of learn on the job, really. But I think, you know, as long as you can demonstrate there's transferable, we've all been around children, you know, we've all been around families. So use that experience in even if from your own personal perspective and look at your transferable skills that you've got from a nurse and how they can be used within CAMS. You can certainly learn on the job. Um, you know, I came from, although I started as a healthcare support worker in children's originally, I went into adult services and then went into forensics before I moved back into children. Yeah. Um, but so I think there are lots of different ways in um, and I think we're very open now as I said before we've got all branches of nursing within one of my closest colleagues is actually an adult nurse um, and she started her career working in intensive care in adults um, on an acute service then went off to do a school nursing and now has come into CAMS and is a CBT therapist and an EMDR therapist but is a nurse centrally and that's the important thing because that's the thing that carries you forward so where whatever branch of nursing that you're in, there is something in CAMS for you, absolutely. And you can ask, see if you can get a CAMS placement. If you can't get a full placement, ask to spend a day or two with them to see what it's like and, and experience that with, with one of the nurses that, that works in CAMS. Yeah, and in education, mental health yeah. support teams, um, even in social care, potentially, and as long as you've got your supervisor there, you should be, you know, it's thinking about CAMS as a wider system. And I think we really need to move away from thinking it of just as specialist CAMS now, um, which I think is a helpful way of, of thinking about it. But absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, we've had a comment from Steve, who I know is a paramedic. Uh, he just reflected on something that you said about career pathways and progression opportunities are a great magnet for recruitment. Nothing worse than feeling pigeonholed or in a dead end with no prospect of betterment. Uh, so, you know, just a, a more sort of general comment about that. Uh, and also, Steve, thanks for the happy birthday wishes. Got to get that in. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, Thank Dave. You. you kept that quiet. Are <laughs> 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 there more comments? I've got a couple of questions if you haven't, because I can see we're already at half past. Yeah, we're the Facebook ones. I'm going to take a dive into Twitter now, so I don't know if you want to take over, Nikki, okay. while I look there. I've got uh, one here uh, from Ada First Year saying, um, uh, what one thing would you change about CAM services? Which I think sounds like an easy question, but I think might turn out to be quite a hard one because it's just one thing would you change to make it better. And I've got another one here from an adult nurse who's actually saying, um, what can CAMS nurses teach us about, it's quite a long question, I'm paraphrasing, so I do apologise. Uh, what can CAMS nurses te uh, teach us about um, taking care of our children at the moment? And my kids have obviously been through COVID like everybody else's, and it's been a really difficult time for them. So two tiny questions there for you. <laughs> Pick them in any order. <laughs> um, I think for me, it'd be, and this is obviously just because of my experience around that transition, um, it's different wherever you go. Sometimes you get that kind of transition team between the ages of kind of 16 and 18. Sometimes it goes up to 21, but to, to have that period of transition rather than going straight from from children and young adult services to adult services right on that dot of 18 I think that could definitely mm. be improved mm. and that's been a long-term issue that we've had isn't yeah. it it's been a long time and that, and the other things just to bear in mind that for anyone who's listening is it's the age where a lot of things change so things around finances will change things around if someone's a, a looked after child or something like that all those sorts of things are changing at the same time and if I don't know if anyone's can remember back to being that age <laughs> but um it's just horrible anyway <laughs> it's a really traumatic time anyhow and, and um, that well that brings me to something else to celebrate with cams nurses and um mental health nurses it's that child knowing knowledge of child development as well which yeah. we don't have so much within adult services because yeah um really people are developing well all their lives but up until the age of 25 but it's particularly significant in that time and what's the difference between a severe mental health difficulty and child development and picking that out mm -hmm. yeah. and what one thing would you change then we'll come back to the support through covid question um there are lots of things that would change but i think one of my absolute bugbears is postcode lotteries so i'd really like commissioning to be equal across the nhs um Mm. and third sector agencies and school nursing and health mm. you know so that it's equal so wherever a child is in England that they all get offer of the same service absolutely and and what about kind of um say hints because it makes it sound tips and things makes it sound a bit shallow doesn't it but what one thing would you share maybe from your practice for anyone who's got kids at home who've been through such a strange time you know the last probably three or four years have been really quite odd and they don't look like they're going to be changing from being stressful anytime soon for that particular generation. What what could you offer in terms of how to support people, young people? I think it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's a really difficult time for everybody. And 
lots of people are struggling. Yeah. I think to try and keep some level of routine is really important. Mm. To try and keep connection with other human beings is really important. Mm. Um, and I think because our lives have been so turned upside down, mm. that there are going to be things that are different now. Um, and just because things are different, so for example, during lockdown, um, we had a lot of referrals saying that kids weren't sleeping, for example, they weren't, um, or they were becoming a bit more hyperactive, but they weren't exercising, they were spending long times, long times watching the TV or on the iPad, they weren't getting enough physical exercise, the diets probably changed. I think just keeping those fundamental things, keeping hydrated, doing different activities um, is really important just to try and keep that that structure on a daily basis and and that we're all not okay really I think it's affected all of us in some way um yeah kids are resilient though you know and I, I use that lightly because I don't think we should be expecting more from children than what they can what they should be able to offer but I think they are flexible in the way that they're able to cope and adapt with things um and the hope with the security and safety and nurture from the people around them that they will get through this. Yeah. Grace, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think it's it's just around that kind of, is this a normal response to a really, really abnormal situation that we've all mm. been through? And we all have feelings and feelings are normal and we all have, we have them for a reason. And um, sometimes when we feel those negative feelings, we just want to get rid of them because it's not very nice. Yeah. But actually, you know, sometimes you just have to sit with them and let them be for a bit and not try and change them because actually it's been a really tough mm. couple of years and we've all had periods, you know, where we, we couldn't sleep or yeah. um, watch too much telly <laughs> um, and, and done things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's sitting with those emotions for a bit. But obviously reaching out for support when that becomes too much. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And, and we're nearly out of time now. So I'll just come to Dave to see if there's anything else that's come through in terms of questions or comments. Well, I've been too I've been too busy clicking on links and stuff and typing stuff. So uh, I may have missed stuff. Sorry. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um and and Grace, is there anything you particularly wanted to come to before we finish up? Because we're going to finish up shortly. While Dave's checking away. <laughs> I think um I'm really pleased by the um, focus groups that we did because I think it's given some energy to a lot of people to be able to kind of do something in changing the profile of nursing. Mm. So I think anybody who is interested in doing nursing, especially in working in CAMS, you know, mm. do just reach out, ask your local CAM service whether you can have a placement, mm. ask to come and spend a day with somebody or what's it like working mm. in CAMS, you know. We are open to those things, even pre-nursing, really. You know, if people just want to know what it's about, linking with your local university where they've got their nursing um, curriculums on and just just have a look. Mm. Yeah, because it's a really rewarding career. Mm. Um, you know, and I think one of the benefits of working with children, I think as Joanne had said on the comments, is that you've got a real opportunity to change a child's life forever. You know, and what we make out of a child, they're going to be better adults. Mm. You know, because you've got a real... Yeah, impact. Mm, and absolutely, what we do. absolutely. And um, I hate to quote songs, but children in the future, aren't they? <laughs> I am so great. Quote, though, did great. not sing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you really missed an opportunity there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's about investing, isn't it? And I think this is a time where we need to be hopeful and optimistic. And and we we say a lot more with our actions than we do with our words sometimes. And when we divest these services and neglect the staff of them, we're giving a very clear message about how we think things are going to turn out. Because you need that support to, to do to do well, to do a good job of of looking after children and supporting them. Um, anything else, Dave, before we finish up? I suppose just a, another kind of final thought for me in terms mm. of the importance of that, you know, the, the kind of the whole process of childhood. Uh, obviously, as a health minister, I've been so invested in the importance of the first thousand and one critical days. Uh, and there's such a big movement there kind of talking about how critical it is to do, uh, you know, really important work with the children and families. Mm. Uh, and, and like you say, you know, I've spent lots of time talking to politicians who want to kind of argue how do we make things cheaper and cheaper. Mm. Uh, and actually, if we absolutely invest in this period of, of people's lives, the, the returns that we get, not only sort of in cash terms are so huge, but actually more importantly that I'd rather live in a world where we spend a lot of money on just making sure kids have lovely lives, you know, and, you know, it's it's just such a, a valuable thing that we can do. Uh, and I think it's a shame at times that, you know, children are particularly let down by legislators, uh, maybe because they don't, you know, vote, maybe because their voices are often a little bit quieter. Uh, but, you know, how important nurses are, uh, and especially CAMS nurses, in getting those messages out to legislators and encouraging them about why this work's critical. And, and I think, again, you know, uh, the, the work that, that Grace and Anne's been involved in, uh, I was involved in as well with the uh, 50,000 you know, mental health nursing group. Uh, it, it hopefully will sort of, you know, reap some benefit, uh, including in the, the CAMS field. Uh, and, you know, we'll just carry on that fight, really, won't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. um, we've touched on some legislation and things like that. So we will tweet it out and there's recommendations you can have a look at. You've had um, as well a lot of a lot of suggestions about approaching your local CAM services. And actually, if you have an interest in this area, absolutely following up on it. Because people will be pleased to see you. <laughs> no one's going to be like, you can't come Definitely. in. People, yeah. people want to, to, to grow more nurses and, and know there's a lot of interest in this area, which is why we came back to it. So um, please do uh, let us know if you have any questions. You can always um, tweet them or, or put them on the Facebook and we will cycle back to them because we do check in a couple of days later. Um, I think other than that, it just remains for us to say goodnight. So um, good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, it's gone super fast. So thank you all. Good night. Bye. See you next Bye. week, everyone. Bye-bye.